millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's a few famous kidnapping, sex slave, dungeon cases. If you listen or watch a lot of true crime, you'll be familiar with the case of Joseph Fritzl. He was an Austrian man who kidnapped, raped, and abused his own daughter for 24 years. Because of the sexual abuse and rape, she ended up giving birth to seven of his children in this dungeon, and one of their kids died just days after birth and was just flung into an incinerator. Or maybe you're familiar with the Ariel Castro case. This one happened in Cleveland, Ohio. Between 2002 and 2004, just less than 20 years ago, Ariel Castro kidnapped three young girls, 14, 17, and 21. He physically abused them and he raped them. He called himself cold-blooded and he called himself a sex addict. And when one of the girls was pregnant, he would physically hit her, punch, kick her, slam her against the walls to induce miscarriage. Now these are all awful, disgusting cases of abuse and kidnapping of women. Now imagine, Luoyang is a city in the west of the Henan province in China. It's among the oldest cities in China and is also known as one of the cradles of Chinese civilization. It is also the earliest, the OG of the four great ancient capitals of China. Can you imagine this kind of kidnapping happening there? How about a kidnapping, rape, and eventual murder? Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're covering the case of Li Hao, who kidnapped six women. We don't know much about Li Hao, but we know that he was born in 1977. From what we could find, he worked as a fireman for some time, but at the time of the kidnapping and murders, he was working as a local government clerk for the Technological Supervision Bureau, which sounds a bit shady as well, but I'm guessing it's something like MDA. Alright, so anyway, either the job must have paid really well or he was a very good saver and investor because in 2009, he buys a residential compound and he sets up his kidnapping rape dungeon. And there's actually an infographic of this dungeon from Daily Mail and I'm going to try my best to describe it, alright? So at the base of this multi-story residential complex, there was a cellar, and it wasn't a big cellar, it was less than 20 square meters, so around the size of, say, a bedroom. And at this cellar, on the floor, there's a small tunnel, so it's L-shaped, it goes down directly and then horizontally for a bit more. The entrance and exit of the cellar, they were both about 60 centimeters in diameter, 
so it's just enough for one person to crawl at a time. So this led to the dungeon. Now the dungeon was separated into two small rooms with a single mattress in each room. Now the first room was at the opening of the dungeon. So it had the opening, a computer, like some sort of computer setup without internet I think, and a mattress. And then it had a doorway to the second room at the end of the dungeon, which just had a mattress. And this was where the woman lived. I bet you're wondering. <laughs> so Li Hao must have been damn free to do this kind of thing, right? So no, Li Hao actually had a wife. A wife and an eight-month-old son. So his wife didn't even know that he bought the building in 2009. He actually told his wife that he picked up a shift as a night watchman. So this explained all the time that he spent in his dungeon. Now, once the dungeon was ready, he started kidnapping women. He would find women who worked as hostesses in karaoke bars, nightclubs, and according to some sources, even hair salons and a massage parlor. So he would tell them that, hey, I'll pay for sex, but you need to come home with me. All right. And when they went with him, he would kidnap them. And in total, he kidnapped six women. He raped them. And according to him, he fed them only once every two days so that they would be hungry and weak. The room was small and smelly and damp. They had to live there, they had to eat there, they had to sleep there, they had to go to the bathroom there. It was dirty and it was dark. He even made porn of him raping his victims and he uploaded it onto the internet. His whole plan was for him to use these women, to use his kidnapped victims to make porn to make money, to have his own little basement pawn empire. He was so sick. Alright, so what's even worse is that he pimped them out. He pimped his victims out to other men. He would sell them, which is crazy because either the men didn't notice that these women were, were malnourished, that there was something wrong, or maybe even if they tried to tell the men, the men didn't care. I'm also guessing, based on what I've read, so this is just my interpretation, that he pitted the women against each other and forced them to compete for his attention. Because maybe if you had his attention, like you get more food or more space or get taken out more, but this is just a theory, okay? And I think he also purposely did this because he knew, he knew if they banded together, they could probably take him down by just sheer numbers and it got to the point where two of the women ended up fighting and Li Hao killed one of them and got another to help. Imagine having to help your kidnapper murder another victim and another girl was killed by him because she would fight back, she would fight with him and because according to him she was quote unquote disobedient. Boss is here. Military parents never miss a beat, and neither does the Johns Hopkins U.S. Family Health Plan. Built for every warrior in your family. With more than 40 years of service to military families, TRICARE Prime Benefits plus exclusive extras. Learn more at warriorsathome.com. So where did he get rid of these bodies in this dense industrial city? He literally buried the bodies in the second room where the women would sleep. So they would sleep 
less than a meter away from the bodies buried in the ground. So it was the room at the end of the dungeon. When the police finally caught him in 2011, the bodies had been buried for about a year. So, how did they catch him? Remember how he used to pimp his victims out? During one of the outings with a girl to sell her, to prostitute her out, she managed to escape by herself, so good for her. And after she escaped, she brought the police back to his sex dungeon. So this is like hard evidence. Now this is Chinese court, so it's very straightforward. Li Hao was sentenced to death by the Supreme People's Court. And what's interesting to me is that the other three women, they were found guilty of the murders as well. So I didn't think that they would be because it's extenuating circumstances, right? You were forced into it because you were kidnapped, you were in a dungeon, you're at the mercy of this guy. But I'm not too sure about the details. And again, <laughs> Chinese articles are super hard. So they one sentence was super long. One woman was sentenced to three years in prison and another two were placed on probation. What's also interesting is that while I was researching this case, I learned that this was not the only kidnapping sex dungeon case in China. I mean like, damn China, what's going on? <laughs> you probably can't do anything like that in Singapore. You know, there's too many CCTVs. People live too close to each other. Why are you going to dig a dungeon? How many people have the skills to dig a dungeon? And can you imagine asking your contractor or your ID like, oh yeah, by the way, I want um a hole in the ground, specifications, I don't know, like 20 square meters. They'll be like, what's going on, bro? Okay, so now this other case, it was in Jiaxing in East China in the Zhejiang province. And this case was in 2013. So again not super long ago, less than 10 years ago. This guy, Chen Xialong, he lived in a rental house, okay? And he got inspired after reading two internet novels, which I'm guessing were like erotic fiction, porn novels, given how this whole situation went. So anyway, in this tiny rental house, where he would probably never get his deposit back, this 36-year-old man, he spends six months digging and digging and digging until he has this three square meter, all right? So the floor size is three square meter, 1.5 meter high dungeon. I mean, I have no idea why it took him so long to dig something so small, all right? It's less than a room. It's like the size of a mattress. You can't even stand up in it. Then Xialong, he wasn't employed, right? So usually what he would do is that sometimes he would work as a trike driver. You know those bicycles that pull around a carriage and then you can sit on it? So something like a rickshaw. And on June 12, 2013, he went outside the local karaoke KTV bar and offered a ride to this 18-year-old girl, Guo. But instead of bringing her home, he gagged her, bound her wrists, and then dragged her into his home and into the cellar that he dug. He chained her naked to the cellar for 11 days and she was only allowed to leave twice to shower. Twice to shower in 11 days, alright? 
and he threatened to kill her and then he raped her and he would take naked photos of her to shame her but honestly i think it was more for himself all right but this girl is brave this girl is strong so somehow she managed to get her hands on a pair of nail clippers all right and she slowly sawed through the chains so well done her I couldn't find anything on what happened after that, but I'm glad she escaped and hoped that he got a horrible punishment. Thank you listeners for tuning in. And as always, thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Briefcase Podcast. So I've gotten a couple of requests for other documentaries that I've watched. Another one that I've watched recently is... The Raincoat Killer on Netflix, and it covers the case of Yu Yang Chol, who hated the rich and women, alright? And it's great because they interview the policeman and like literally everyone else involved, and we covered him in episode 34, if you haven't listened to that yet. As always, you can find us on Instagram at a briefcase podcast, and thank you to all of you who dropped such kind messages. You can also find us online with source notes at abriefcasepodcast.com and do join us next week for another brief case. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakker.